Hello, movie lovers, and welcome to the show. This is your host, as always, from Movie Lovers Unite, John DeGorio, and I just want to sit, talk about something real quick, and that is Audible. What is Audible? I'm so glad that you guys asked. Audible is the leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audio books, ranging from bestsellers like Anne Rice, Stephen King, the list just goes on. Their whole entire catalog, when it comes down to their audiobooks, is just fantastic. If you're on, on the road and everything, and you want an audiobook, and you want to download it fast, go ahead, go to Audible. You're not going to regret it. They actually have a trial right now that you guys can actually jump on. You can actually go on ahead, go to the link, and it'll bring you up to that trial. And a matter of fact, every month, members actually get one credit to pick any title, plus two Audible originals from a monthly selection, and access to Daily News Digest from the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, and the Washington Post, as well as guided meditation programs. Another thing, too, guys, that's not all they have. They also have, they also have, finish, if you actually want to go ahead and do some things to actually better yourself for 2021, they have stuff for that, too, like finishing more books or becoming a better parent, leader, or a person, how-to books which is something that everybody seems to grab onto a lot lately and everything else. So if you guys are actually looking for something to maybe better yourself for 2021, go on ahead, check out those books as well. They have a big catalog. You guys won't regret it. Go ahead, click on the link below in the description notes. Go on ahead. You guys won't regret it. Sign up for that trial period. And always, until next time, stay safe, guys, and enjoy the show. And God bless. Hey guys, John here. I just want to talk about something for a minute. We actually have a Patreon up right now in full swing, and that is our $5 a month plan. It's called Movie Lovers Classics. It covers bonus episodes, reviewing classic movies like you're about to listen to right now with the uh, little Caesar review that we just did, early access to episodes, monthly newsletters, shoutouts on the main uh, feed, early access to episodes, and then we also have... All Access Documentary Series Review, which is $10 a month. And that includes bonus episodes, Eli Roth's History of Horror, Early Access to Episodes, Monthly Newsletters, Free Digital Movies, Shoutouts on the Main Feed as well. And then that also includes our classic uh, movie reviews as well. And then our $20 a month plan is our VIP Movie Lover. And that also includes bonus episodes, classic movie reviews, interviews with independent actors, actresses, directors, and comic book writers, and it also includes movie lovers documentaries and early access to episodes, monthly newsletters, free digital movies, and shoutouts on the main feed as well. Go ahead, subscribe to the Patreon. We hope that we'll see you there, and always until next time, guys, bye-bye. Hello, movie lovers, and welcome to the show. With me tonight, I actually have Rossi McCree with me. Say hello to everyone, Rossi. Hello, everyone again. Happy New Year. Look, happy New Year to, to you, too. I haven't seen you in a year, so you look, uh, <laughs> you look the same. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> let's see what we have in the live chat real quick. We have my co-host, Tamika. Hey, guys, I can't wait for this review. It's one of my favorite movies. It's one of my favorites as well. And this movie is actually going to be American Gangster. This is my favorite Denzel Washington movie, aside from Training Day. Training Day is also one of my other favorite movies that he's done. And we're going to do a review on that as soon as uh, they decide to drop back on streaming again. So, without further ado, let's go ahead and get into this. This movie came out in 2007 of November. And this was one of those movies that 
I heard about, but I wasn't 100% sure on what to actually make of it or anything like that. It didn't really yeah. get released down here. So I actually had the privilege of actually seeing it afterwards. And I love this movie. This movie is really good. I like the fact that it's actually different. It focuses on the African-American community and everything. It shows yes. diversity instead of it focus, focusing on the mob. It doesn't focus on right. the Scottish mob. It doesn't focus on the Irish mob. And that's something that I really like is the fact that it's so different. And I never, I never even heard of Bumpy until I watched this movie. Or Frank Lucas, for that matter. So I had no yeah. idea going into it that Frank Lucas was a real person or Bumpy was a real person. But, you know, the thing that I have to say is Denzel always nails every single movie that he's in. Yes, he does. Wow. And the opening scene alone with Frank is actually going... He ends up doing something for bumpy where he winds up pouring the gasoline on this one person and then lighting him up and i thought that was really the the graph it was so graphic though i mean yes. but it was so realistic you actually do feel like you're in the shadows with bumpy you actually feel like you're in the shadows with denzel washington frank lucas watching this guy die and then right. it goes into the other thing where bumpy's actually uh being like a concierge to uh, to Frank in a way, yes. counseling him through this whole entire process of like things have changed now since I've been around. This is your time basically to rise up, right. and sooner or later you're gonna rise. So that has like a little Godfather feel to it. Yes, it what does. did you think? Um, the the intro, uh, like you said, with um, um, the guy being set on fire. Um, that scene, you definitely. I mean, for me. As soon as I saw that scene, you're 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 ready to go along for the ride and find out what's going on. Um, and then the next scene where Frank and Bumpy, his mentor, are at the I think it's a furniture store mm -hmm. where um, yeah, where Bumpy ends up. I think he had a heart attack, but um, he ends up dying there with Frank, which for me then starts Frank's part of the movie, him taking over for Bumpy. And so um, the funeral scene where um, Bumpy's associate, um, I think his name was um, William. Yeah. William. Something Williams. Yeah. Um, he walks up to Frank Lucas and lets him know that basically Bumpy has you covered. You're going to be taken care of anything that you need. You come to me. And so he becomes Frank's kind of guide. Right, you know, along Frank's rise. So, yeah, that's something that I really liked. Was is like I know that Bumpy's gone. I know he was a big mentor to you. He was like a father figure to you. But he's yes. he took care of you, and that's something yeah. that I really liked from that. And then all of a sudden, Frank is like doesn't even care about that at that moment. He's looking around. He's looking at everybody, watching everybody, right, and observing everybody, and then analyzing them, and like. You know what? These people think that just because Bumpy is dead doesn't mean that um, you don't owe me any money because you owe right. me money and you won't pay up. And he even says that. Right. He goes, these people are going to pay up. Right. Everything. They just don't and know also, Oh, go ahead. And also just a little bit about Bumpy. Um, his claim to fame was like in the, I think it was in the early 60s. He was like mm -hmm. a huge drug dealer in Harlem. And he was also known as like a legendary um, gambler in Harlem. Yeah. 
So that was his claim to fame. And, you know, and therefore, you know, he becomes Frank's mentor. So when the funeral scene is over with and Frank is looking around and, you know, basically I'm going to collect these debts. It's not done, you know, just because Bumpy's dead. He then goes and does that. And that's when we meet um, Idris Elba, who plays Tango. Yeah. Who thought he would be in charge. Yes. Right. I love the back and forth between Tango and Frank. I thought the beef was like legit between them. Yeah. In fact, I even forgot Edris Alba was even in this movie until I rewatched it again. Right. Because Edris wasn't as big name star as he was back then as he is now. And just to see the rise of Edris was is just amazing. But the beef between them two was really good. I liked it whenever he is from Frank is actually eating in the diner. Tango just walks up to him and he's like, you know, you have to actually pay me now. You have to pay me 20% of what I'm of what you make off the street. And Frank right. is just being chill. He's just over there eating his uh, <laughs> eggs. And right. Putting the pepper all yeah. on it and everything. <laughs> right. And he's like, then he goes on ahead. He finishes it up, puts his stuff down. He's like, you owe me 20%. I don't owe you 20%. Right. This is my street. This is not your street. This is what Bumpy owes to me. Exactly. And everything. Yeah. And you know, and I thought and I love what he does to him later on in the film, which I thought was oh. perfect. Wow, right? <laughs> right. In front of his family I mean, though of all people. But <laughs> Yeah, remember that was the first time his brothers had you know had came they, they were from the south. So, right. you know, um Frank, you know, what he did was he wanted to get people around him that he can trust. So he has like, I think seven or eight brothers. So he goes to North Carolina, gets his mom, mama Lucas, gets all his brothers, brings (laughs) them back to Harlem and for them to come and work with him. And his brothers just look up to him. So that diner scene where, you know, he has his brothers and he's kind of teaching his brothers or getting ready to talk to them about what he does in the business. That's when he looks and sees Tango outside of the diner. And I remember him taking the little sugar container, emptying it yep. out in the, in the little glass, you know, takes it outside, tell his brothers, I'll be back. And they get up, they're looking out of the diner window. They've never seen their brother in action. Don't know that their brother's <laughs> this guy. Walks up to Tango and Tango still thinks he's like running shit. So right. walks up to Tango and Tango's like, you know, or Denzel's telling him about his 20% or the 20% that he's going to get. And, you know, Tango's not realizing that, you know, Frank Lucas is a man and totally just where's my money? Like I'm, I'm running this. And then Frank Lucas pulls the gun out, puts it up to his head. I haven't seen this movie in forever. So I'm not realizing what's going to happen. And then he freaking kill me. You gonna, you gonna kill me, Frank. You gonna, you gonna kill me. Go ahead. You're going to kill me. And he freaking gun to the head, shoots Tango, takes the sugar glass puts it next to his head, puts the dollar in there and says, here's your 20%. Walks back into the diner, sits down, looks at his brothers. So where were we? And the brothers are just kind of, what the f- Yeah. Right. I felt like that was a moment where Frank is also sending a message to his family, though, too. It's like, if you fuck me over, I'm going to fuck you over. Right. Very true. Very true. So that's also another message that he was actually sending to his family. Yeah, we're family. We're close. Yeah. But if you screw me over, I'm going to screw you over 10 times harder than what you did me. 
And this is yes. going to be the repercussions of what's going to happen to you if you mess with me. And to do it so, in broad daylight in front of everyone, yeah. it's very telling. He owns, he owns that city, you know, that yeah. portion of Harlem, you know. So, yeah, that was a pivotal scene. Another thing, though, too, that I actually want to mention is this. Uh, Frank, this also reminds me of Blow, though, with Johnny Depp. Because Frank okay. goes into Vietnam to go and yes. get the heroin because he wants 100% heroin right. and everything. And right. to get that, he has to use his brother or cousin that's actually in the cousin. Vietnam War. Yeah, yes. cousin. That's in the Vietnam War. And then before you know it, Frank goes, I'm going to fly over there. Frank, you're not going to fly over here. Next thing you know it, he has a passport. He's ready to go. Right. And then he goes down to Bangkok. And he goes, I want to talk to the Vietnamese uh, commander-in-chief in charge. He talks right. to him and he goes, well, he goes, no one can actually fly out with that many. He goes, we're going to fly out with that much. That much. Absolutely. Heat. Yep. So, and, and he then he meets the, the Chinese general and, you know, they go through the swamps of Vietnam. He ends up meeting the general and the general is just like, you know, never met anyone like this. And, you know, wanting to know, how are you going to do this? They're going to catch you. You're going to die. And Frank's just like, not your worries, not your problem. Basically, I got this. And shoot, he comes back to America with what he he, he was only supposed to pay like 50000 gives him the right. 100000 lets him keep it, you know, just to make a point, you know, and right. comes back with 100%, was it heroin? Yeah, Pure heroin. heroin? Pure yeah. heroin. Yes. And I really liked that whole entire getup. And not only that, but he also, remember, he also used his some of Bumpy's money to actually get the passport and everything over there to get right. things flowing. And then right. he just gives the bank teller, the guy that's with him in the vault, he goes, here, here's a stack for you. Right. And then put the rest back in the vault. Buy, buy right. yourself a new suit. And then he goes over, of course, to Vietnam, which I, but I thought that scene was just funny and the way it was actually laid out. Yeah. It's like, well, it's like, here, thank you for helping me. Thank you for giving me the access to the vault. Here's your half for just giving me going into the vault. Right. And everything. So I thought that was actually pretty cool. Um, then another thing, though, too, is let's talk about the other detective. Let's talk about Richie for a minute. Richie, yeah, Richie, okay. Because while all this is going on, Richie's battling his own battles, his own demons. Yes. Because yes. He's, a down, he's a great detective, but he's yes, a he shitty is. husband. He's a down on his yeah, luck. Absolutely. He's banging the lawyer that's getting him the divorce. Right? <laughs> so <laughs> that was something that I forgot that happened in the movie. Same thing with the Andrew Alba scene. And I was just laughing my ass off, though. I'm like, dude, you're banging the, your own lawyer. That should be a conflict of interest. I was shocked. I was shocked that he was doing that, you know? And and don't forget about, you know, like you said, when um, um, uh, Richie, who is Russell Crowe, and his partner, who's really good friends, Javier, remember they, they, the, the scene where they're, they're following someone with the money and they yeah. end up taking the lock. They break into the, uh, the, the car and they found the million dollars. And remember, yeah. Richie didn't take the money. He turned all right. the money in, um, which was, you know, unheard of because obviously at that time, a lot of crooked cops in New York, you know, so yep. they're taken from the, the, you know, the drug dealers and, and putting it back on the street. And, um, and, and we find out that Javier, his partner ends up having a problem. Remember right. that? 
Yeah. Yeah, he actually has a drug problem of his own. He's on heroin. Not only that, yes. but Javier does a bunch of screwed up stuff, though. Yes. Like, even before that. Okay, so let's talk about this for a minute. Javier also tells him, you know, cops shoot other cops because of the fact that um, for turning other cops, you know, turning this in, turning the money yeah. in when they're supposed to be look- turning the blind eye. But right. Javier does this jacked up thing, though. He's in a neighborhood that is not even protected by their unit. He calls right. in Richie. Richie's thinking that maybe he's undercover. Maybe something right. happened to him. And he's against it. He's out of his jurisdiction on this. Yes. So it's a, I think it was like a drug deal that went wrong or some something that was owed to somebody. And right. Javier went on ahead and was trying to steal his money. And then he, Javier shoots him. But, yes. So... Richie's trying to think of how to actually get him out of trouble, even though he knows that he's not supposed to do it. But right. he's also trying to get himself out of there, though, too, because he's now involved. Yes. And Javier and the, put the, him in that position. That's all I want to say. Oh, I just want to say, like, um, the, the scene that you're talking about, I, I found the sickest part of it is how, you know, Richie is trying to figure out how they're going to get out of that apartment because... They're in the projects. Like you mm-hmm. said, they're not supposed to, they're not covered. They're not supposed to be there. You have everyone in the projects at that door because they hear the gun go off when, when Javier shoots the, the, mm-hmm. the drug dealer, the user, whatever. And remember what they did. They freaking bandages, bandages up the guy's neck, opens his eyes up, put him on a gurney to make it seem like mm-hmm. the kid was still alive just to get them out of that situation and out of the mm-hmm. neighborhood. Where right. when Javier um, ends up, you know, asking um, Richie, help me out. Like, I, 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 I made a mistake. Help me out. And Richie's like, you know, I can't do that. Javier jumps out of the frickin, um the ambulance. And the next scene we see, I think, is uh, he's dead. Richie identifies the body, but he, he looks at the stuff that Javier had on him. And that's when he finds the blue magic, which Frank... Right named his heroine, which was Blue Magic, which then starts kind of that, you know, what is this right. stuff kind of. Yeah. It was new on Right. Not only that, but this also sets up a beef war between uh Robbie Down Robert Downey not Robert Downey Jr. Uh Cuba Gooding Jr. Uh the yes, beef war between right. them two. That's and, right. He played Nicky Barnes. Yeah. And he even goes to his club and say, hey look, what the fuck is this? You took my Blue Magic, and you basically copyright infringement my product. It goes. That's right. That's right. And also, too, another thing too that I like that he actually says: name brands mean everything. You can call it whatever you want to call it. He goes, I don't have the, I don't give a fuck what you call it, but you're not right. going to call it Blue Magic. <laughs> exactly. And so Nikki's like, I'll, I'll call it Red Magic. You know, it's not going to stick, but I'll call it Red Magic and. <laughs> Frank's like, I don't give a damn what you call it. Just don't call it blue magic. But yeah, that scene there, because that's his. That's his brand. Right. Exactly. Right. No one else uh, had 100% pure heroin. So, yeah. Exactly. And that's also what made Frank the person that he is, the gangster that he actually is, is because of the fact that everybody else is putting sheetrock in the stuff, doing a bunch of different things with it. Right. Not not doing legitimate stuff with Right. But Frank stuff is 100% legit. And then Richie's like, I need people on my side and everything because 
Javier is dead. He died of a heroin overdose. A- yes. After he turns the money in to yes. and everything. So what does he what what happens? He sees Javier in the uh, morgue, and then he winds up seeing Norman Reedus in there. He's in. I forgot Norman was even in this movie though too. So I forgot. Uh, I guess uh, Riza, you know, from Wu Tang. Yeah. He's he's uh, Moses. He plays uh, Moses, yeah. part of Frank's crew, because basically Frank builds his own crew, like you said, to help him, you know, right. find out about that blue magic. Yes, right. And I thought that building the detectives was really good. The setup with them building up the case, trying to find yeah. out where this blue magic is actually coming from, yeah. and also too, they're looking at everybody. They're looking at. The battalion mob, the Irish mob, yes. and everything, and you know, I really thought that was actually pretty. I'm feeling a little bit. Of Just like a second, phone. John. Just a second. Oh my gosh, who will call me during the recording? Oh okay. Just a second. Okay. Okay. Can you- it's alright. Oh God. Okay, so. Basically, I thought that the, okay. it's okay. It's perfectly fine. Uh, but yeah, I thought that building the detectives up was really good on that part. I thought that was a good setup as far as that goes because he needs people he can trust. Everybody inside that police jurisdiction is actually against Richie for turning in the $989,000. And so therefore he needs people he can trust. So now he has to go outside the limit, outside the... Uh, outside of the whole entire police realm and everything right. and get these other undercover detectives. And I thought the chemistry with them worked. And he goes, yeah, we party, but we're clean. <laughs> right, right, right. Do me a favor. I need to, I can't hear you that well. Okay. I need to come, leave out and come back in. Okay, that's not a problem. I can do that. Okay, let me leave out real quick. Okay, not a problem. So, let's see here. We actually have Tamika. She says it took me a while to learn Idris Alba was British because his American accents are so good. I to- I totally agree with you. Then Denzel always has a signature sh- uh, chill style before he goes off on someone, just like the Equalizer movies. Most definitely, I have to agree with you on that. And then, okay, Rossi's back. Sorry, someone called okay. my phone and then it mutes me. I apologize for that. It's 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 fine. These th- these things okay. happen. It's not a problem. Okay. But yeah, um, let's see here. But yeah, I thought this. You heard what I said about the setup with the detectives and all that stuff, right? Yeah, how or they're is it when they're starting to basically follow people, try to um, yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Okay. So yeah, I thought that was a good setup, and then of course. You know, after that winds up happening is they start investigating the whole entire thing where, okay, is it the Irish mob? Is it the Italian mob? Is it, um, is it the Scottish mob? They start going through right. everything, right. but they're not investigating uh, Frank. Frank is totally like underground at that point. Absolutely. And, everything. Absolutely. and, and they don't expect at that time. I mean, there's not a lot of black men or people that, you know, that's higher than the the Italian mob, the Irish mob. So, you know, that's why they're looking at everyone else instead of, like you said, Frank, because he is underground and you wouldn't think it would be him or anyone else like him, you know? Right. And also, too, 
this also is another thing that I want to actually mention about Frank is the fact that you know how we were actually talking about the family and stuff like that. It has a very mob like feel to it because even the mob, whenever you get in, initiated in, it goes, it's about family. We are your family now. Yes. And that's actually yes. what I feel, feel like from that aspect as well. Yes. And remember, Bumpy also worked with, you know, mm-hmm. he learned from the Italian mob. And remember, Frank's been with Bumpy for a long time. So he kind of learned that and ran his organization, like you said, like the Italian mob would run it, you know, family, right. organized, discipline, you know. Right. Another yeah. thing, another thing, too, though, this is another thing that I liked um, was the fact that everything that Bumpy told Frank to do. And everything, everything that Bumpy trained him on, Frank was doing. The turkeys yes. at the, at Christmas time, right. doing charity events to make him look legit, and yeah. everything. And he's just doing the pattern, doing everything that Bumpy told him to do. But another yeah. thing too is he even tells his family this. He said Bumpy was a person that didn't own his own brand. He thought he was rich, but he wasn't rich. He was taking commands from other people. Right. And everything. Me, on the other hand, I'm going to be different. I'm the one who has my own brand. I'm the one who's doing it all and everything. I'm my own boss. Right. I don't have to answer to anybody. And at that point, that's when they introduced the family into the heroin business as well. Yeah. And Maven, they all had legit businesses. Each brother had like one brother had a tire shop. One brother had a laundromat. You know, they all had legitimate businesses. My problem was... Um, if you remember back at the party, um, the party where Frank meets, um, his wife, uh, Ava, yep. um, and he's talking to, uh, Nikki Barnes, who's Cuba Gooding Jr. about the brand, about, you know, using blue magic. Remember, he also saw his brother there, Huey. And remember how flashy who mm-hmm. Huey was. He was dressed up. He had the hat on. He was, he wanted to, it seemed like he wanted to be like Nikki Barnes. And remember when Frank took him in the back and was like, what are you doing? What you're dressed up, you know, you're not supposed to be flashy. And some point in the film, remember Frank kind of messes up because that famous film of him going to the Ali Frazier fight, he's wearing the famous chinchilla outfit, which at the fight, remember he has front row seats. He's, Mm -hmm. he makes himself you know, everyone pay attention to him because remember also at that scene, you know, Richie's there undercover. So Frank kind of, he, he didn't listen. He didn't heed his own advice. He was flashy. He sat up front instead of blending in with everyone. And that's how they kind of wondered. And remember uh, detective Trupo, who was uh, Josh Brolin was there at the fight too. And remember they're all wondering who's that guy up front, you know, He's he's seat, he's seating next he's he sat next to the ring like right up front, which brings more attention to Frank. Exactly, and I think it has a lot to do with the fact that his wife bought him that, and therefore well, yeah, he didn't. Absolutely. And I I could actually see why Frank would wear it because he didn't want to upset her. He yeah. knew it was flashy. If he actually to me when he first saw it, he was kind of hesitant. You can definitely tell, but he also liked it at the same mm-hmm. time. Yeah. And he was like, he, then he was like, you know what? I'm the shit. He goes, yeah, I'm going right? exactly. to do this. I'm going to do this. <laughs> but even in the true story, even um, on the true side of things, that was actually true. He did have okay, that. Okay, so that was true. Okay. Yep, that was true. Uh, 
matter of fact, let me go on here and talk about this for a minute. Frank, uh, not Frank, Denzel actually met Frank Lucas. He was in a wheelchair. And he told Frank, he goes, I'm not here to glorify you. You just, I'm, he goes, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. You're just some fucked up shit. He goes, I'm just here to go ahead and get into the mindset of who you were. Wow. He goes, I'm not here to glorify you. I'm just here to do my job and that's it. And, wow. and then even uh, Frank, he's like, you know, I can't really tell you a lot because if I tell you anything, I could go back to jail. Really? Even though he, yep. Even though he did his time, because you don't know how many other crimes that he might have not admitted to. So okay. him actually going on ahead and talking about something that he may have not admitted openly in court can actually put okay. him back in jail again. So okay. that's another the key factor. Wow. That I thought that was um thought that was actually pretty cool. Tamika said they mentioned not being flashing in Goodfellas, I believe. It seems the common rule to blend in not to be noticed is in the business. In this yeah. business. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And I get what you're saying as far as like, yeah, of course his wife gave him that. And it was a beautiful chinchilla coat and he wore it. It's just wow when when I watched it and then saw how the detective and everyone's like wondering who he was, I'm like, oh my gosh. He didn't heat his wife. Flashy right. as heck, you know? Absolutely flashing. So, yeah. And the scene where um, I think, uh, was it when Josh Brolin, um, Detective Trupo, confronts him at his wedding yeah. when he and his wife basically letting him know, like, I see you. And remember, right. isn't that the scene afterwards that Frank went, took the chinchilla and burned it? Yep. And he also said this to him. He goes, I want, he goes, basically, he's also telling him this. I'll be on your side if you pay me money as well. 10K a month. Yes, right. Yeah, 10K a month for protection. And yep. he goes, and Frank even says, who the hell are you? He goes, I'm special. He goes, and he passes him like this. this. He goes, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, you're special. <laughs> Moves him out of the way and he goes back right. uh, and ex- makes his exit out, which I thought was classy. That was just perfect. I just love the fact that um, Detective Trupo, who thought he was in charge because he's been in charge, never met anyone like Frank, you know. And after that threat, you know, to Frank and demanding a 10K, remember the uh, turkey at his front door in the cage? And he, uh, you know, detective goes and opens up his door. There's a turkey there, a live turkey in a cage. And he has this beautiful, I don't know what kind of car it was, like a Mustang or something, but... It yeah. blows up right in the driveway, sending Trupo a, a message. <laughs> yep. And while he's a, it's on during Thanksgiving Day and everything. Yes. So while that's yeah. going on, Frank is over there enjoying his time with his family <laughs> right. and everything during Thanksgiving. Right. So right. I definitely love the setup for that. That was actually a beautiful setup. And then, of course, that also pisses off, pisses him off, uh, the yes. detective. Yes. And he decided to do a raid on Frank. Yes. And he even raids the doghouse where Frank actually has the money. That's right. It's underneath the doghouse. That's right. Right. Shoots the dog, you know, because he Mm -hmm. sees something's not right. You know, the the, the doghouse was shaking and moving, shoots the dog because it's a German shepherd. It was there to protect the money. And underneath that doghouse, he sees all the money, Um, but tears up Frank's house, slaps his wife in the face. I mean, an absolute mess. And I think Frank was like, wasn't he like over, he was overseas at the time. He, I think he went back to go get another bundle. Yep. 
And a matter of fact, he goes and gets another bundle and everything. And when he finds out and comes back home, he's pissed. Like, he's beyond pissed. And what does he do to him? I want you to go on ahead and tell that part. What did he Uh, do? What did he do? Because I remember Detective... um, I remember the next thing, Detective um, Trupo... Remember right. he he pulled uh he pulled Frank over in the car with uh, Huey, right. Right. and Huey had mentioned that it's a problem. I have this stuff on me, right. and it was in the car, which was a no no. So Trupo comes out, pulls him over, sees that you know looks in Frank's car, looks in the trunk, sees that he's you know got drugs in the car, and uh, Frank's telling him you need to go 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 away, pretend like you didn't see this, and then tells him you know. Um, I can have your house blown up. Do you want your, 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 you know, something to happen to your wife? Trupo then leaves, but go ahead and tell me, because at this point I cannot remember what he does. Well, Frank also threatens him again and tells him also too, if this actually happens again, he's going to blow his brains out like any other person on the street. Wow. Okay. Okay. And everything, cop or no cop, he's going to end up putting an end to him. And I was thinking he was going to do that, you know. I, I, I forgot how it ended with Trupo, but for some reason I thought oh, that uh, I thought Trupo, that Frank was going was gonna to kill him, you right. know. Right, but no, Trupo blows out his own brains. Yes, he does. Because he, he um, that's like right. further on in a movie, but before that, remember when um, this thing really started happening when they, after they raid the house and everything, remember they find out that, mm-hmm. because they end up... Um, catching Zim- Jimmy Z when they had everyone yep. under surveillance and they go to Jimmy Z's house while they're, they're, they're surveilling him. And Jimmy Z who's Frank's cousin comes out of the house and he's drunk with the girlfriend. Remember he shoots his girlfriend, like in the, in the back or in the leg, mm-hmm. the cops jump out the car. That's when they bring Jimmy Z in and he's the, the, the connection to Frank. And that was one of the mm-hmm. first people that they brought in for surveillance um, right. of, of Frank to get Frank and that's when I mean after that they're listening to his phone calls they're you know hearing uh, that the planes are coming in from overseas because at that time they didn't know that that's how they were bringing a product in right another thing too that I actually want to mention is too that of course you know they put a wire on him but yes. remember Richie's actually following the money Yes, because he Frank's too. not important to him. He wants to know where the money's going, right? Or coming from, yes, right. So he follows uh, the person from the tire, uh, the brother from the tire business, and everything, yes. and tries to tail tail him. And then finally, he goes. Uh, Richie's like, "Hey, how you doing?" Just <laughs> just being like a passerby kind of guy. Yeah, that's right. That's thing. right. You know, but I thought that was actually smooth of Richie to actually play it off like he's not tailing him. Yes. And he played it off really well. And, you know, at that point you realize, okay, this money is coming in through the tire tire shop as a front. Right. So you actually have that. So now we have extortion. So now we need to go on ahead and find out what else we have. And exactly. I love whenever they're looking at the army and they're wondering yeah. how are they bringing this in because they don't see right. anything on the plane or anything like that but come to find out they're actually hiding it underneath the floorboards i believe or yeah, was it, it inside like, um, yeah. looked like they were the coffins but yeah, they had the a, um, 
yeah, they had a, uh, they, yeah, like you said, they had a special uh, compartment and all they had to do was like drill the top of the co- uh, coffins and that's where all, how they were bringing it in. And remember also, I think in the, in the beginning, they showed that they were putting it in um, packaging it up like um, Infamil and the baby, yep. baby powder. Yep. And, and also I want to mention that when they brought it over to America, Frank had a project that he basically owned. And remember at the top floor of that project, that's where they would cut, cut it up and, you know, um, put bag it up to get ready for it to sell. But remember all the women were the ones that cut up the product and they all had to be naked because he wanted to make sure no one was stealing anything. Right. Even uh, his, the, even T.I. is like, why is everybody naked? Because <laughs> they don't steal anything. Because yeah, that's like right. Never a woman before. That's but, right. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought that was actually pretty funny, though, on that part. And then, of course, T.I. is like, you know what? Screw baseball. I don't want to be a baseball player anymore. I want to do what you're doing. <laughs> that's right. Because he was, uh, he was heading to the, he was headed to the pros, Stevie. Right. Um, who, who T.I. played, was headed to the pros. He was on his way. Remember, even Frank set him up right. a meeting with uh, with the Yankees, and right. uh, and and Stevie didn't show up. And uh, you know, Frank goes to the house, has a meeting with him, and that's when he tells him, "I want to be like you. I, I don't want to play professional baseball." So then Stevie gets into the business, right? And uh, I would actually be, I was actually kind of surprised though, if Frank is like with Tony Soprano with Christopher, he's like, he want Tony wants Christopher in the business, right? Okay. I thought with him, I thought it would actually be different. I thought it would be like, look, you have this going on for you. I don't right. want that for you. Right. Because you're about to play in the major leagues. But no, Frank knows that he needs more family. And if you have right. family, you can trust family. Yes. You can't trust outsiders. So he exactly. actually needs more. So yes. that's why he has them in his group. So I really thought that scene was really well put together. And also, too, this is also the first time we actually see T.I. actually act in a movie as well. Right. He got a lot of hype for that. Yes. And everything. Um, he was well-deserved for that. Oh, he was great. He blended right in. T.I., you know, T.I. is a good actor. Let's see. Tamika says, it's interesting seeing the same rules across the gangster movies. One could almost write a how-to book. It's so true because it does play out pretty much the same way. I mean, uh, you you do get to the top, but at some point, they all go down the same way. You know, they get the small guy on the team that leads to this guy that, you know what I mean? So it is. It's, it's, It's the same story. Right. You know how it's going to end. Exactly. And then, of course, yeah. finally, they're using Rico against Frank. to bring, the Rico uh, to bring Yep. And so, basically, that's when Richie arrests him over at, uh, inside the Frank church on Easter Sunday. That's right. What a <laughs> scene was, that was. That was a, 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 an amazing scene because everything's going on at the time. Everyone's being busted, you know. And when Frank walks out, because remember, they find out what he does every single day because he has the same thing he does every day. And every Sunday, he takes his mom and his wife to church every Sunday. So Frank is, you know, they're getting ready to leave out of the church. The doors open. And Richie's just standing there in front of the car. And Frank kind of looks around and, and kind of looks around the area. And he sees, I mean, they have so many cops and agents he mm-hmm. knew there was nowhere to go 
And then the scene where you see the wife and the mom behind him, Mama, Mama, Mama Lucas, and the scene where the doors just close and you see them behind him and then the doors close and he's there by himself looking at yeah. Richie. And then, you know, yeah, the next scene he's in. And then I liked how Frank said, you know, I'm going to get out of this. He has that little devilish face on him. Just, you know, right. I'm going to get out of this. My lawyer, right. I have a good lawyer and I have such a good lawyer that he's going to actually sue you. And then after that, I'm going to oh, own the whole police department and your jurisdiction. And also, too, I'll also pay those cops. <laughs> so therefore, you don't have anything on me. He goes, I have blue magic. He goes, he goes, who gives a fuck? He said, right. that's Mickens. He goes, it could, <laughs> you know, he's all of a sudden trying to, you know, just say, okay, that's not basically just trying to pass somebody else off and everything that, you know, and BS them. And, and as they sit there and pass the coffee club, uh, you know, like there's a cup of coffee that they're drinking. And Frank realizes at a point that, you know, he's got, you know, they got him. So he right. throws the coffee cup, you know, and they sit there and pass this coffee cup to each other. You know, he passes it to Frank. Frank says something. Frank passes it back to Richie as they have this dialogue, you know, because Frank wants to know, really, how much do you have on me? And right. when, you know, Richie lays out, I have A, B, C, D. And once we get in the court, the jury's going to buy it and you'll never, ever get out of prison. And at that right. point. It looks like when Frank's talking to him and he realizes that, if you look in Denzel's eyes, it looks like he's kind of, his eyes are watery a little bit. You know what I mean? He's pissed and they're kind of watery just a little bit when you look at his eyes because he realized it, 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 it's over. So he asks Richie, mm-hmm. what, what do I got to do? What do you want? Well, right. Another thing, though, too, is that was over for him is the fact that the war was over, too. The That's Vietnam right. War was over. That's right. The Vietnam War was over. It was coming to right. a close. So now Frank is actually trying to figure out how else he's going to actually be able to do this now because the Vietnam War is now over with. So now he's actually trying to find out from the general how he can actually uh, make this last longer. So yeah. at that point, you actually have to kind of consider, okay, it's time now to fold, close up shop in a sense yeah. because there's no other way to do my blue magic. Now I'm going to have to be just like any other basic person selling heroin on the street now because exactly. my stuff is not going to be 100 legit but he doesn't yep. want to do that he has too much pride to do that so he tries to swingle it any way he can yeah and at that point too i also like what richie says though in the interrogation room he's like well i got you racketeering i have yep. you on extortion i have you on money laundering i have you on this your brother owns the uh tire shop as a front because I got you. That's it. It's over. Just like you said. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was absolutely done. And so, you know, um, Richie basically, Richie doesn't, Richie doesn't really want Frank, you know, Richie wants the cops and right. Frank wants the cops because he's pissed that everything, all his money, everything he made, they're dipping into it. They're taking and they're crooked. So they mm-hmm. come to this arrangement where you help us out, we'll get every single cop because that's that's what Frank wants. He just wants to make sure every single cop that was involved is taken down in the process of him having to basically tell on them. Right. And they do that. And so you see um, from that point on, 
you see Frank putting together, showing them who, what couple was with who, who's who, who's doing what, which I think they said uh, three quarters of the, the, the drug enforcement was taken down by Frank Lucas. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And also, too, another thing that I want to mention is the fact that even the Italian mobster at the very beginning is, yeah, they take the police actually take it off the streets, but then they wind up selling it back to them. Right. That's right. They sure do. They they showed them doing that in the beginning of the movie. Um, The crooked cop Trupo who goes into the evidence room and remember they're mixing up the the dope that they got and then they package it up and sell it right back to him. And that was like Dominic Calano or whatever his name was. Um, But yeah, absolutely. So, you know, you have that aspect going on into this whole entire final thing though, too with the cops, with shutting everything down. And then, you know, Richie winds up te- being his lawyer. That's right. That's right. Which is because actually Frank true. ends up getting, what, 70 years he originally got right. um, for what he did. Um, Richie ends up leaving the force, becomes a defense attorney, and his first client is Frank Lucas. And right. he ends up getting Frank Lucas 15 years you know, instead of doing the the seventy years, he gets out in nineteen ninety one. Frank Lucas. Just, yep, and that's actually true. That's actually part of the true story of that part. Okay. That that's actually one hundred percent fact. I didn't know if you knew that or not. No, I didn't. But, but yeah, he does get him out on that technical technicality and everything. He yeah. does get him out like he promised. Reduces his sentence, um, and then. At that point, you don't see this in the theatrical cut where you remember at the very beginning whenever you actually see the gate opening up to actually let him out of prison and then it cuts to black. Well, get this. On the extended uh, cut, it opens up the gate and then Frank steps out and then he realizes that time has changed since he was actually a gangster. And the streets have changed. Everything's changed. The music's changed. Right. Um, it was actually "Fight the Power" was actually yeah, right. <laughs> playing, right? Which I uh, flavor flavor, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. was playing. Um, and then of course you actually have Richie who picks him up from being released from prison. Now that was oh, actually okay. Cool. Okay, because cool. in the the, the version I saw. It cuts off after um, Frank gets out and he's standing there, at, you know, when he mm-hmm. when he gets out of prison, he's standing there. Like you said, the, the music comes on, you know, fight the power comes on and he's seeing everything's different. And then it pretty much goes off. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, Richie does pick him up from prison. That part was true. And okay. him and Richie are actually having a coffee together, walking on the street together. Really? And- yep. And Frank is just observing everything, looking around, looking at everything, looking at how everything has just changed. He sees two these two gangsters, wannabe gangsters, on the streets. <laughs> and the wannabe gangster is just looking. And he, well, uh, Frank actually accidentally bangs into him. And the wannabe gangster is just like giving him like a cross eye like that. And then Frank's doing like this, giving him a cross eye <laughs> thing. He goes, you got a problem, old timer? He goes, not. Nah. Do you? He goes, no, nah, man. I'm good. 
He goes, he goes, he goes back walking, and then he looks back at Richard. He goes, you know, he goes one phone call. I can have this all back again. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. He's, he goes, and uh, he he also sees that everything's changed. He goes, a Starbucks because he never even heard of Starbucks or anything. Right. So everything's changed, and even Harlem has changed. And he goes, okay. I used to sell heroin right there on that street right there. That used to be my block right there. Wow. And then that's when he tells Richie, he goes, you know, I could actually make one phone call, and I could be right back on top. And Richie you know, was looking you, <laughs> It's funny, because when he gets out, you know how, I mean, you you tend to romanticize, you know, mob movies, and you tend to go for the bad guy. And when Frank got out, you know, and you, you realize that time has changed or he realizes that time has changed, you know, it's kind of like, man, you know, I hope he has money somewhere. I hope he's, <laughs> you know, got something, you know, because they end up taking $225 million of assets in the U S and foreign assets from this man, mm-hmm. everything. Yep. So you know, and honestly, you know, he got a book deal. He got the movie, so he's good. Right. But yeah, you kind of, I kind of felt sad for him when he got out. Right, same here as well. And then I like how Richie just looks at him though too. And of course, Richie he has that smirk on his face. So does Richie. And but they also have respect for each other, and he also knows that he's not going to do it. Right. So. Right, but that's where it actually ends. And I thought, you know, they could have kept that in there. I thought it would actually be pretty cool if they did. Yeah, what was another thirty minutes? Right. But if you want to check out the extended scene, you guys can on YouTube. I'm sure it's there. But I'm just, I have the three disc uh, (laughs) cut that I actually have, which the other two discs are actually just bonus things. I watched every single one of those th- um, discs. Whenever I Did first you watched really? Them. Yeah, I, I'm a huge history book. I'm a fan okay. of gangster films. So I just okay. went on ahead, had my popcorn, and just was eating uh, <laughs> eating away with this whenever it came out on DVD. Because it was also, such a good... I wanted, oh, go ahead. Also, I wanted to, to um, bring up that the, there's, there is a series that used to come on called American Gangster, and it was narrated by Vin Rames. And he did, he does every single gangster, big gangster that we've heard of in an hour documentary. And that used oh, to wow. come on. I used to love watching that show. It is so cool. It's really good. He did Nikki Barnes, you know, uh, Freeway, Freeway, Rick Ross. You know, um, of course, Frank Lucas, but it was a really good series that used to come on. Oh, nice! So I think I heard. Yeah, I think I heard it. Be- heard of that before and everything. I just okay. never got a chance to watch it. But they do he have. I know I will because you know me. I'm a huge uh, gang- gangster mobster uh, fan of, mo- of the movies and stuff like that. Especially when right. we look at the Soprano stuff and this. So, right. and I'm also excited about Kings of New York that's going to be dropping for the prequel. Uh, movie to The Sopranos. So, really? Yep. This is going to be okay. about, yeah, matter of fact, this is actually going to be the story of Tony Soprano when he was young. Really? Yep. It's going to show Christopher Matisati's, uh father. It's going to show Uncle June Young. It's going to show everything. 
Okay. So I'm excited for it. Um, Missy Joe actually said hi to you earlier. Hey, Missy. So so I'm thinking, okay, so this is what I'm thinking about, guys. Like, at the very end of our segments now, I'm thinking about just taking everything all in at at one time towards the end of it. If you guys have questions, if you guys want to interact with us, you guys can do so and everything towards the end. It actually gives us a chance to actually uh, talk to you guys and have, build a community with you. Because here's the thing. I want to be able to interact with everybody. So that's what I want to do. Uh, Tamika says Netflix has a documentary called Crack, Cocaine, Corruption, and Conspiracy. And That's really good. And Tamika and I are actually talking about doing one episode, reviewing one episode of that. And actually doing something positive out of that whole entire segment because people battle with addiction all the time and things like that. So maybe with us reviewing it, maybe it might actually help someone. And also, too, I also had someone close to my family or whatever that was uh, someone that was actually in that kind of line of work and stuff like that. And he actually quit the business and stuff. But, you know. Is you just don't know what everybody is going through from day to day. So I just want to be a positive influence on people and try and do something positive with all the negativity that's out in this world today. So, Absolutely. Oh, and also, Tamika's cocaine also inviting cowboys. Me. Um, Cocaine huh? Cowboys, another one on Netflix. That's really good too, guys. Hmm. Okay. I it tells the story of, um, remember we did Scarface? It tells yeah. that story of what happened during that time, during that Scarface era. So that's on Netflix called Cocaine Cowboys. Okay. And yeah. you guys, guess what? You actually have an invite from the both of us uh, with doing that uh, Netflix doc- documentary. Thank you. That would You're be welcome. awesome. That would be awesome. So that pretty much wraps up everything that we wanted to talk about um, with American Gangster. Is there anything else that you yeah. need, wanted to add to it or was that mm-hmm. everything Let's see. Let's make sure I got everything. I took a lot of notes today about the ending. Okay. I think we we did. This was a really good movie. I mean, we could have talked to this for about this for hours. Oh, also, I wanted to mention that all thirty members um, or thirty members of Frank Lucas family was also um, charged and sentenced, you know, to prison time. So I wanted to add that as well. Okay, and another yep. thing too is the I'm just going to call him Detective Douche because I forgot the guy's name, the one that. Uh, took the money out of the doghouse. Oh, Truco, yes. He blew his brains out underneath the umbrella. You also had another police captain that also did the same thing. Most of these people were so cowardly that they went on ahead and just wasted themselves instead of going and doing their time like Frank's family. That's one thing I have to say. At At least Frank's family actually had the balls to actually do their time. Right. And, and Stevie, also, um, when they did raid the cocaine, uh, the projects in the cocaine or the the heroin in the projects where they were mixing it up for Frank, Stevie did die um, in that okay. scene. He ended up getting shot by one of the cops. That's right. That's right. Yes. Another thing, too, is you know how you were saying about the uh, I think it was the cousin making being loud in that room. Yes. Yes. My favorite quote by Frank is the loudest ma- person in the room is the weakest person in the room. And also, too, throws him in the piano. <laughs> that's right. He sure does. That, that's right. They were, and he was at a, a very important, it was like an apartment party. And yeah. it, everyone was there. I mean, and they're 
doing snorting coke and heroin and being loud. And the, the one cop that was there was taking his gun out. And Jimmy Z had got loud and ended up shooting the cop in the leg. And Frank just goes over and beats his ass mm-hmm. into the piano. Just, I mean, yes, making it a point. That- Yes, and I have to yeah. laugh at that scene every single time I see it. <laughs> yeah, because I'm I'm into dark humor. I love dark humor. I, I, there's just something wrong with me, but I'm into I'm into that. But anyways, um, <laughs> that's pretty much everything I needed to add to this episode and everything. So, where can everybody reach you at? You can all reach me on Instagram at um, McCree123Hotmail.com. That's M-C-C-R-E-E-123Hotmail.com. You can reach me on Twitter at RossiLynnBark1. You can reach me on Facebook um, via Rossi Lynn. And uh, I think that's covered it. Okay. Well, guys, Sunday, I'm actually going to be doing a review for The Mask with Curtis from Listen, Listen, Listen podcast. He does some funny skits. He's He only does like a three or four minute podcast. It's hilarious. Go on in and check him out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast from. He is just a fantastic person at what he does. And also, too... Uh, he's also from Britain, so he's going to be joining us on Sunday. I cannot wait to actually talk about Jim Carrey's The Mask. That's actually one of my favorite Jim Carrey movies. Then right. on Monday, I'm, I actually have an open schedule, believe it or not, on Monday. On Tuesday, I actually have a movie review that I'm going to be doing called Sound of Metal. With my, uh, used to be my college professor or instructor, and he's actually in a rock band and stuff like that. And we're going to be doing The Sound of Metal cannot wait to do this review if you're a huge music buff and love music and stuff like that i recommend checking out sound of metal because that was this movie's really good and also inspiring though too uh another thing too guys is if you want to donate to the show go on ahead show us some love go on ahead hit that donate button down below another thing too we also have a patreon that we just kicked off our very first patreon thing that tamika and i did was Little Caesar. This movie came out in 1931. It's a classic black and white film. It's, you're going to love it. You're going to love our review. It's actually up now on the... It's not. All, it's also on the Patreon, but we gave you a little bit of a teaser, a little bit of a taste of what our Patreon is going to sound like, what it's going to look like. So go on ahead, go over there, or you can go on ahead and check it out on YouTube. That's just a little freebie, but if you want to get into the classic movie movies and stuff like that it's a five dollar tear it's just five bucks you guys can enjoy some good classic movie reviews that we're gonna that we're gonna be dropping another thing too is we also have a ten dollar tear this is your documentary uh reviews that we get and then our twenty dollar tier it's a combination of both of them then you also get a free digital movie plus a shout out for you being a patreon as well so go ahead subscribe check that out and i also want to mention this too if you guys want to follow me Go on ahead, follow me on Movie Lovers TV Lovers Unite on Facebook, Movie Lovers TV Lovers Unite on Pinterest, Movie Lovers TV Lovers Unite on Instagram. <laughs> and we also have a place for all your entertainment needs called MovieLoversUnite.com. Go on ahead, smash this share button, like this video. Also, too, follow me on Twitter at Movie Lovers Unit, and also, too, at John DiGiorgio8. And always until next time, guys, have a great and safe day. Wear your mask, disinfect your hands, and bye-bye. Bye, guys.